Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bring On Your IT podcast. And I can finally say, this is a podcast dedicated to the best football team in the world. We're no longer the worst, guys. Crisis over. We beat the Scousers. We're fucking great again. No, of course <laughs> not. We're not, getting, we're not getting carried away. We're not getting carried away. Uh, Although, speak for yourself. we did just beat the Scousers. <laughs> Quad, quadruple? Quadruple, did someone say? No, um, we beat a shit team, really. Well, I mean, we've got great that Liverpool side. Have we? One Premier League. One Premier League. I mean, you're as good as Leicester. Fuck off. Best team in Europe, my ass. There's this thing called the Champions League. You lost in that. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, welcome back. It's, of course, I'm Connor. I'm with Zach, as always. And we're here to discuss. We're happy this week. We haven't been happy for ages, have we? It's, it's guys, this. I've waited for this moment for so long. We can finally record a podcast after United have won a game of football that wasn't Brentford in a meaningless match at Old Trafford at the end of last season because that doesn't count. We won. We're on. We're climbing. We're out of the relegation zone. We're staying up. Um, we're on the march. We've got a brand new player who's one of the best defensive midfielders who's now officially signed. It's a great week, really. And of course, because we're recording the podcast, the sun's still out. Yeah, you know, I mean, everything's going every well. Every single box and of has course, been ticked. And of course, everyone's still talking, I feel, about the uh, protests and things. It's getting in people's minds, it's getting in the media now. And yeah, so I mean, everything seems to be going okay at United. Uh, until Anthony Martial got injured in training and has dug his Achilles. I mean, if, if it's an Achilles injury to me, it sounds a bit of a, a long way back for him. But no, let's not start with the downers. We're going to start with some positives. We're going to start with some news. Manchester United have been drawn in the Europa League. And yeah, we, we've got a fairly good group. There's a bit of travelling involved, but I mean, it, for any away fans going, you've got a few decent trips. I mean, one to Cyprus, sunny, sunny Cyprus. You've got to fucking love that. A few beers in Cyprus. Neil Leggins, the manager at the, their team now. Uh, obviously, Real Sociedad got in the Bosque region of uh, Spain. Can't complain at that. And uh, a trip to Moldova. And as bad as it might be for players, you know, in this busy, weird sort of truncated schedule we're going to be in before the World Cup uh, in November um, a nice little trip to Moldova I bet it's somewhere not many people thought they'd ever go um, so I guess that's a nice day out um, but yeah well, obviously what's your reaction to the Europa League group I guess whoever we was in we were always going to be favourites to get out of a group and um, that's got to be the objective to top the group isn't it yeah of course I, I mean it should be topping the group but also getting it top quickly you know yeah. win all your games get it sorted because we know we're about to start that horrible thursday sunday schedule that nobody wants to do um unfortunately so if we could get it wrapped up early you know so by the last couple of games it doesn't really matter what happens then that'd be good but yeah as you said i mean we, we knew we'd probably get one or two tough like away trips in terms of like relentless schedule and stuff that that's the negative of being in the Europa League that's why you don't really want to be in it but yeah Sociedad's quite good uh they've just obviously lost their striker gone to Newcastle so that should hopefully weaken them considerably but it is just one of those the only way that we go out of the Europa League or don't top the group is if we have a stinker we were you know because you know the pot one for the Europa League is good there's some good teams in the competition and obviously there'll be quite a few good teams dropping out of the Champions League I know there's um Barcelona Inter and Bayern are they all in the same group is it yeah so there's yeah, going to be at correct, least yeah. one big team coming down and you'd expect a couple more shockers in there as well so but 
But yeah, of course you've got you've got that new format as well. So if you top the group, we skip around. You you got obviously. Does it become like the round of thirty two, or is it still? Is it I think it's, or I think it's called the preliminary round. So it's basically yeah. the second place teams in the group face Play all the, the teams Champions that League came out yeah. of the Champions League. Yeah. So obviously. So yeah, you go through to like a round of sixteen now, don't you? We so are playing a round thirty two, which is good, and, and we definitely want yeah. to do that. We want to we want to skip as many games as possible. So yeah, we we know the competition can get hard, but it was never going to be a tough group. So yeah. On. Um, no, that's, but I think obviously that's why I mean, topping the group now is even more of vital importance because if you come second, which you can come second in the Europa League, if you, you know, if you've got that tricky away game and you're in a faraway country, you play a few kids, the crowd gets on top of you, you can lose that. I remember obviously we lost a meaningless game. It was a meaningless game under Solskjaer. I think uh, on our way to the semi-finals against Sevilla that time, uh, he played like a full like backup team out in Kazakhstan. We lost 1-0. It was a meaningless game at that point, but if you have something like that and then you drop to second, you you have a chance to play some good teams in that mm. uh, preliminary round. So it's it's really vital to come top, I think, of your group now, even more important than it used to be. Oh, hundred percent. Like you know, I, I actually thought I was I was watching the draw when it came out last night. I thought the English teams actually got off pretty lightly, but even like look, you look at City's group, Sevilla and Dortmund. One of those three teams is coming down, probably. Like, you're going to get a few difficult games in there. We already know that. Like, yeah. the, there's a reason we've been in the Europa League quite a few times and we've only won it once. Like, you know, it's, it's not a walk in the park, oh, but yeah. certainly that group. I mean, as you say, second absolute minimum. There, there is no excuse for going out of the group. Oh, but yeah. We should be winning that every day. But yeah, of course, I mean, it doesn't. Just because if you drop out from the Champions League doesn't mean you're going to be doing well. I mean, look at Rangers, they, they beat Dortmund, Barcelona losing a Frankfurt, stuff like that. This competition does have just quality, quality all around. Just like the Premier League at the moment, anyone can beat anyone. It is a. It's, the Europa Conference League really is becoming what the Europa League used to be like, I feel. You're getting the worst teams in there now, you're, you're, you're very mid range teams. I mean, Villa, to be fair, Villarreal in the uh, Conference League after getting to a semi-finals of the Champions League but I do feel uh, the Champions League and Europa League are very they can be swapped around quite easily you know, the teams are very interchangeable in both oh yeah the Europa League is a very watchable competition now it, it is actually really good um, I, yeah I, I'm looking forward to it like, I think we said this when it happened like we're I think I speak for both of us. We're not those fans who are like, oh, we wish United finished in eighth so we had no Europe. It's good competitions at the end, and I'd like to see us win it. But, yeah, as, as you say, the, as long as we don't end up finishing third and going into that conference league, yeah. because that really is the pits of hell. I'd probably rather get relegated to the championship than have to play in that conference league. That is the worst <laughs> thing out there. Um, but, yeah, uh... and as for Villarreal, one quick thing. I'm glad that Michael Carrick sent them packing down there. I've still not forgiven them for the Europa League final. I've still not forgiven them for their goalkeeper dropping about three clangers against Liverpool last year as well. Oh, yeah. So I'm more than happy to see them rotting down there. Oh, Happy thoughts, though, Zach. Sorry, happy sorry, thoughts. I, I yeah. made it negative. No, this yeah. is the happy podcast. No, it's all right. It is, it's the happy one. We have a, we have a happy ones. Um, as Jose Mourinho, I think, excl- oh. second when he went to Roma. Look, it, I am happy, but what I want now is for us to get progressively more happy i'm happy yes. but i'm scared uh, we're going to get into the game obviously in a second but i am obviously scared that it was a one-off i've still not built my trust back with these lads yet but what i'm hoping is that every week now like from the start of the podcast we've been getting slowly sadder and sadder and sadder now i want to climb the other way yeah 
I mean, just one thought, obviously one last thing on the Europa League. Um, will you be got to any of the group stage home matches? I'm tempted by Real Sociedad, to be fair. I do like seeing away fans, like especially European away fans at Old Trafford. I just like mixing with them and stuff sometimes. I think that, you know, mixing with some Real Sociedad fans could be fun. I like, I like watching Spanish teams as well, so I'm tempted by that one. The other two, the, the atmosphere is not really there when you're that much of a favourite and things like that. Um, but yeah, I feel like I may go to the real Sociedad game. I know it's bad to like pick and choose which games when you're a United fan, but the Thursday night with work and stuff, I'm I'm tempted by Real Sociedad. Are, are you gonna be going to a, any of the three? Uh, to be honest, this sounds like a bit of a oh, I'm I'm trying to be a top red sort of flex. I, I'm not. But basically, this is like I'm going into my last year of uni, so I'm probably gonna try and go to like every single game that I can do, just because, as you say, like as we all know, you finish uni and then. You have to go into the real world where you can't go to every game. So I, I did every game last season. I'm going to try and do every one this season. And then, yeah. So so I think I probably will do this year. Um, and just, yeah, ho- hopefully it'll be nice nights out, four, five nil wins. That's what I'm yeah. hoping for. If I go to Old Trafford and we're playing Sheriff and we lose one nil and they park the bus for 80 minutes, I'm not going to be a happy person. I mean... Which Sheriff who beat Real Madrid last year? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they beat them at the Bernabeu, yeah. so don't be expecting anything They're an interesting either. team. I mean, I, I, do you know that uh, Welsh YouTuber Simon Wilson, the travel guy? I've heard of him, he, yeah. He's done, he did a video last year where he went there to watch the Inter game. It's well worth a watch for any United fans who want to know a little bit more about them. They're a really interesting... They're a strange club. They're run by some oh, sort of are, like government yeah. consortium. They yeah. were like the poorest team in the Champions League, I think. They're, they're a strange club, but it's interesting. Oh, I mean, their journey in the Champions League last year, they were, they were really, they were at one point, I think, four games in, you know, two games to go, they, they were in poor position to qualify ahead of Inter, I believe. Mm. And then I think they just faded away in them last two games. And yeah, but they, they, they put in some great performances. I think they had Bruges in their group as well last year. And they went to Bruges, I think, twice and beat them. Um, so yeah, we've got a pushover. Um, and obviously the Cypriot team is managed by Neil Lennon, known in England for well for a Celtic job, Hibernian, Bolton, a uh, bit of a dick in real life, bit of a dick when you were playing. Um, but yeah, um, g- going on to another draw that was made this week, we were actually going to do the podcast while that draw was on, um, but I did fall asleep. Um, <laughs> the uh, Carabao Cup draw, third round, the most boring fucking tie I'm s- uh, I, I was going to say you lead teams at home it is enough to make someone fall asleep watching the draw for that oh, I, I didn't even make it to the draw I think <laughs> it was it was during it was during that Villa game I think I fell asleep or was it the no it was a Newcastle game the Newcastle oh, yeah. game um, but yeah so I mean I hate playing early rounds of the Carabao Cup I hate playing Premier League teams at home. It's just there's no atmosphere there for that game, is there? There's just nothing. It's flat. I felt that even in the third round of the FA Cup when we played Villa last year, it was a such a flat atmosphere, flat game. Didn't help we were a bit shit to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I just yeah, I just, I, nothing inspires me about that game. It's like it's on the knife edge because it's all traffic. If we were at Villa Park. I'd be more confident because in cup games, the home team fans, it's more of a family atmosphere. It's quite similar to the Europa League group stages, isn't, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah I just, I'm just not a fan of like playing a... I, I prefer, you know, if we were playing away at Rochdale or something, I'm not saying Rochdale are in the cup, I don't think they are. I think they lost to Sheffield Wednesday. So, Sheffield Wednesday away, for example. I'd love that. You know, let's play a different team. Their fans would be up for it, our away fans are. You know, 
it'd be a feisty fixture, it'd be on Sky and stuff like that, but just playing a Premier League team at home, it's just bleh. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the worst thing for me, I think other people will agree with me on this, you want an away game because you don't want to have to pay 25 quid for a game you don't really want to go to. And yeah. I, I opted in for all the cup schemes because I was like, oh, maybe in a few years I'd like to do a few away games. And you have to have been like a scene ticket yeah. holder oh, with cup yeah. schemes for like four years or yeah. something. Oh, it's it's fucking, it's, it's a pyramid scheme, it's a isn't joke. it? It's a pyramid it's a scheme. Joke. And, and since I did that, since the start of last season, all of our cup games last year were at home. And now our first cup game this year is at home. They're just rinsing me for money um, for games that I have no interest really in, in going to. Um, but yeah, the frustrating thing about this one, I don't know if you saw, I didn't watch it live, but I saw the highlights of the Bolton-Villa game. Villa yeah. played their first team. Yeah. They played everyone. I mean, I, Gerard, that's a sign of a manager under pressure. Exactly. But it's, it annoys me that because you think if they went to Bolton and did that, they're going to do that at Old Trafford. And that's the first game this year. We're going to want to be rotating players. Or I don't know, it might come after the Europa League. There might be a few. I think it's... You know what, should we check I think it's you, you keep talking about Villa. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, it's, it, but it's one of those games where you want to be able to play a rotated team. But it's also a game that I feel like we don't need to win the League Cup, but you know, as, as we keep saying, we want to win that first trophy soon, and it's one of our best chances. So I'd like us to go through. Jesus. But yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ! It's one of those ones as well. well Do you remember last year? Right. When we played West Ham uh, away at West Ham, mm. and then we played him at home in the cup. Oh no. Fifth oh. of November, Aston Villa versus Manchester United in the Premier League. 8th of November, Man United versus Aston Villa in the Carabao God's Cup. Sake. Hang on, November? Yeah, I'm confused by that. Why is it in November? Have they, like, dropped a Be- few rounds or something? or like? Um, no, it, I think it's because they need to fit in the Europa League game so much. So does that mean then um, the final is going to be closer to, like, the FA Cup final, surely? No, no. So um, when we come back, so that's the only game going to be played, so... The uh, Carabao Cup. You keep talking about Villa a bit, Mark. I'm okay. going to research this. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's... I think it's a hard one though because if you think like if Villa play their full, their full strength team and we play a complete rotated side which is what got us knocked out against West Ham last year because we just literally dropped everyone and played a team that had never played together there's no reason why they couldn't beat us as, as bad as they are you know that Bolton game Leon Bailey was playing Danny Ings was playing Digne scored so he was playing I saw Tyro Mings I saw a mate put a picture of him on Snapchat who was at the game I didn't actually watch it I, I presume Emmy Martinez didn't play. I'm hoping they played a cup keeper at least. I believe they did. Um, but yeah, I, I just think like, I, as you say, that shows a manager who is on the ropes though. <laughs> if you're going first right. round the Carabao Cup to Bolton and playing that team, and they went one nil down. So, the, the World Cup final, Zach, 18th of December. Yeah. Do you take a guess when the fourth round of the League Cup is? Oh Jesus! So the first game back is what the the Boxing Day. No, no, no. Not if you're in the Carabao Cup, it's not. Oh, no. 20th of December. Well... Sorry? But it, but in that case, we might as well just sack it off, though. Because who are we yeah. going to play? Well, I mean, some of your players might get knocked out early. I mean, we're hoping all these England players out there. But, you, yeah, you literally are going to have to play. I mean, it'll be like that for, you know, if we get Chelsea, for example, or City. They'll have the same problem, so it's literally going to be watching like an under twenty threes match, isn't it? But this is the thing. But this is I was, I was trying to work this out the other day with someone. 
Are the players going to get time off after the World Cup? Like, whenever their team no. gets not... Do you think... Not? Oh, yes. Because because I was like... If you think, like, when a, when a player normally comes back from a World Cup, because they've spent quite a long time away from home, they'll probably get a week yeah. or two. Oh, yeah. No, so, it depends when you get knocked out. Um, I reckon, if you, you know, if you got in the group stages, which ends, what, end of November time, hmm. you'll get a week or two off, yeah. If you're in the final, I don't think you'll play the the Boxing Day match. You'll come back for 2023, basically. So I think everyone will get at least a week off, yeah. Can, can I just say, right, if the semi-finals consist of England, Portugal, France and Brazil, we're knackered. Hopefully, I don't think that is a possibility. I'm one of those nerds, you know, where you plug it all out, see who plays Okay, who. is that not possible? We I would don't be think that's possible. Absolutely ruined. We'd have no one. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh. That, well, I mean, to be honest, with England, you know, the last time England played was only Harry Maguire of the England squad. Yes. Looking like Marcus Rashford and Jadon Sancho though, could be getting back into it. Of course, oh, of course they are. You know, they they get they get dropped and we don't really care. And we're like, yeah, you can have them, give them a bit of game time. Now they're good. Southgate's going to come straight back in and go. I'm having those. Yeah, I mean, which we should. But yeah, so Carabao Cup. Bunch of shite this year. Don't even want to win it anymore. I actually want to go out to Villa. It would probably make life easier. Yeah, it really will. Uh, that is a stupid schedule. I'm, I'm sorry, whoever planned that, just, this just World why? This is a sham. Yeah, it's yeah. A everything's joke. a sham. I still want England this to win it. a sham. It's coming home yeah. and all that, but it's a joke. So let's move on to, to a signing of Carlos Casemiro. Um, we talked about it briefly last week. I, I feel like that time we still didn't think this was going to happen. Mm. And then it quickly after we finished that podcast, became a reality. Within like 24 hours, we announced it. And yeah, um, obviously we say, you, you know, it's it's a really good signing. I mean, I, I don't get these people doubting it. I mean, when you get, you know, like these British media who clearly never watch... They don't, I, I'm convinced for British media, you know, some pundits, some uh, people... Uh, in the British media, do not watch Champions League or La Liga. They watch British football because we're Britain. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. To call Graham Sooness on Talk Sport this week, Talk Shite, I mean, that's all we do on there. He's not a good player. I- I'm sorry, have we not watched the same, ca- same Casemiro for almost 10 years now? Oh, ridiculous. Simon Jordan. The- fair enough, you can question the money we will pay. The prize tag, I don't think you can question. In this market, this market is completely fucked now. This market has gone bonkers. I mean, it has gone bonkers. It was always going this way since Neymar for 200, Mbappe 160, which is weird enough. No one ever talks... You know, everyone talks about Neymar. No one ever talks about in the same summer they bought Mbappe for 160 million. Mm. Anyway, not the point. Um, Anthony Gordon, 60 million pounds Chelsea are prepared to pay for him. People, you know... People will say that's outrageous, but if people haven't pay sixty million for Anthony Gordon, seventy million for a five-time Champions League winner, Brazil's best midfielder, one of the world-class defensive midfielders in the world, who stays fit more than Kante, how is seventy million a rip-off? But also, he's still got years left on his contract. We weren't even trying to get him when he was like coming to the end of it. Oh, yeah, it wasn't a year left or anything. No, there was two, three years, yeah. We've just bought the guy who started in the Champions League final, you know, who has done for multiple years, one of the best defensive midfielders of the last decade, 
who still had multiple years left on his deal and turned around and said, no, I'll go to United. I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get the whole age thing. Like, the, the only thing is, you know, there is always the chance when you buy a player that they might not adapt to the Premier League. That is the only thing. You, you just don't know. But of all the players you could buy from all the different leagues across Europe, I don't get how this is the one that all the pundits are going, nah, no chance. Not going to work. He's not going to yeah. be better than Fred. I just get, that's what I don't get. Like, he's a hard, he, he's physical. You know, he's, I think defensive midfielders, they could adjust a lot easier to Premier League because of their physicality already. You know, he's a big guy, he's strong, he's a tactician. I mean, from what I've heard and read and people who know Brazilian football, know Spanish football, have talked about, he's, you know, Carlos Gilotti loved him. He, he sees him as like a future coach. He, the way he prepares for games, it's meticulous, you know. We've heard all these, like, buzzwords before, but you can sort of see it in him, you know, the way he speaks. Mm. And, yeah, we are paying him a hell of a lot of money, but you've got to sometimes. You know, what? Sometimes Manchester United, yeah, we can say we're Man United, and he wanted a new challenge just like Varane did, but we don't have some stuff to offer. We aren't the best anymore. So sometimes what we can do is use our financial muscle, per mm-hmm. se, to convince players. Sometimes it is a bad thing. Alexis Sanchez... Paying him five hundred grand in hindsight, stupid. But with this one, he just doesn't seem he doesn't have that temperament of an Angel Di Maria. You know, he's he's a sexually defensive midfielder. I don't think we have egos. Hey, it's like a left back. He, he said it on his interview. The reason he's come to Manchester United is because he's bored of winning the Champions League. He's already got five. He's already got he five. Wants for Europa League. You know, add a Europa League. I mean, I hope he isn't coming here to add a Premier League because somebody might need to give him a little grab on the shoulder and turn him the other way in Manchester to the other club. But, you know, we might have hoodwinked him. We might have just said, do you want to sign for Manchester? And because his English isn't great, he didn't know who. No, but he's no, here now. Don't, don't you worry. He signed the contract. They probably... We've got him. Just like just like Rubinho, just like Diego Forlan. He, didn't, he doesn't know there's another team in Manchester. That's true. That's true. Mm. But no, um, I, yeah, the criticism, it's weird. I mean, when Tim Sherwood criticises you, just don't, just laugh. He probably he's never heard Tim Sherwood. When you listen to Roy Keane talk about him, who he came up to, I think that's brilliant, Matt. You know, like Roy Keane, he must have he's got this such like huge thing in the game. I mean, Casemiro's of an age where Roy Keane might be a hero of his growing up. Mm. You know, watching him in that position. Um, but yeah, when Tim Sherwood says shit about you, just ignore him. I, I Tim Sherwood doesn't know who he probably don't even know Casemiro is, does he? <laughs> I mean, is there any bigger stamp of approval than Roy Keane's? in terms of being a CDM signing for Manchester United. If Roy Keane thinks you could be the guy, I'll back him. Not the guy, <laughs> yeah. Roy Keane's a miserable fuck who, who doesn't really like anything. If he's happy about something, take it. Exactly. But obviously, we, we will talk about some more stuff. It does feel like, where was this money two weeks ago? It is that thing again. Oh, we, you're... We haven't properly backed the manager, and that's my problem here. Like, as happy as I am, we we'll go sign Anthony. You know, we we'll go sign Casemiro. Well, we have signed Casemiro. We try to get other players. Why wasn't this money available four weeks ago? Why wasn't it available at the start when you were trying to back Ten Hag? I understand we were trying to get Frankie Dion and Casemiro's come off of that, but the money for Anthony, the money for other players, just didn't seem to be there. But all of a sudden, we lose two games. That, that's not how a football club should work. If you bring in a new manager and he says, I want A, Y, Z, X, you, you get him that. You know, you don't wait for him to lose two games. 
Tr- oh, go try these players who we know aren't fucking good enough because we've watched them for four years. That's not their fault. Mm. That's not the players' fault. We, we know they're not good enough anymore. That, that comes down to like, why is it taking so long? It's a sim. It's every year this with the Glazers, with the uh, you know the sporting directors, whatever Ed Woodward, the guys there now. You know, it takes too long for the Glazers to go. Oh yeah, we, we do need players, don't we? Because they don't fucking care. And that's what pisses me off now because we're about to splash eighty million quid on Antigua. There's talk of obviously buying Dubravka, which is going to be a cheap deal. There's talk of other players still on the radar though. It's like, well, why didn't we just do this four weeks ago then? We knew we need these players. Yeah, I just don't get it. Like, it's it's weird. I mean, obviously, all like the sort of glazes out stuff may have influenced them, but then again, I don't really know why it would do. Like, it doesn't evidently uh, yeah, make cause... too much of a difference to them, if that makes no, sense. But also, that's not that's if that's what actually has. That's not what the glazer out things about. We don't give a shit about you spend. You know, you're not, it's not your money you're putting in. You're using Manchester United's revenue. But exactly, like that's always there. So like. If the Glazers think that's what makes us happy, they they clearly are fucking clueless. But like, yeah, so for that reason, like it does just confuse me. I don't know why it takes this long, but I also just I don't understand the policy. Why did we try and get Adrian Rabio? Wait for his mum to reject us, and then our backup was Casemiro. I, I guess uh, well, what the club are saying and what sources are saying, from what I've read, from what I've heard from people I've spoke to. Um, uh, who you know? A few journalists have spoke to. Uh, mm. Is that you know? United are saying basically, yeah, we were trying to get Dion. That Dion thing just wasn't moving anywhere. We realised McTominay and Fred couldn't work. Um, Rabio, we tried to get him, and obviously Casemiro, you don't think he's going to be available, do you? Mm. I guess. And then he started the game, the first league game of the season on the bench, and like obviously he he knows people in the club, Varane, Ronaldo. Apparently, he spoke to Varane and stuff, and. You know, maybe that's just that's how sometimes something works. You just see someone. Oh, wait, he's not playing. Hmm. Should we go for him? See if Varane. Can you just speak to him? See if he wants to come. Mm. And that's sometimes like that's how crazy our football is. Sometimes I can understand. I'm not getting at the Casemiro thing. I'm, but I, I'm I'm complaining about the policy, like you, how you go from Rabiot to Casemiro. Surely, it, you know, if we went from Milinkovic Savic, we'd try to get him, for example, from Lazio. Mm. And it just wasn't working. And then you got a Casemiro. They are similar quality in players, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, to go from Rabiot to uh, Casemiro, two completely different style of footballers as well, it is, it is mind-boggling. And it just, it, that's what pisses you off even more. And that's what makes fans angry even more, is that this just random scattergun sort of panic shit we always do. Exactly. I mean, it's clear to everybody, as good as Casemiro is and as happy as I am to have him at United... He wasn't the plan. He wasn't on Ten Hag's list going into this transfer window. This wasn't the original idea. And that's, yeah, that's the frustrating thing. You, you just feel like a team like Manchester United, we shouldn't struggle this much in the transfer window. It shouldn't be so hard for us with all our money, with our prestige, our history, to attract players. And as you say, we've got, what, a few days left of the transfer window and we are far from done. And most of our signings, I mean, you look at our site, like, yeah, Casemiro wasn't our first choice. Ericsson was a great pickup. We've spoken about that. But Martinez, he wasn't the first choice. It was Timber. Timber was the one we were going after at first. Like, it's just typical. But you know what's, obviously, I don't know if, I, I'm not just saying this because I've watched Martinez playing that Liverpool game the other night or from, like, what I've seen of him before. But it is what, you know, it's, sorry, it is what from what I've seen of him before. 
I, I think I would Martinez would have been my first choice over Timber. Yeah. I, I found that one. That's what I think a few United fans were saying that at first. Like, why are we going for Timber if Martinez is there? Who's like a left-sided, you know, defender. That's what we needed because mm. Maguire and Varane they are right-sided defenders, really. And that's what we, and obviously Timber can play right back, carting stuff. Mm. And that was a weird one to me. Again, I, I don't think that's as bad as that. We you know, just try to go for one of them. Maybe the cheaper option were Timber. Mm. Maybe we always knew Martinez were going to be sixty million quid. Timber, what was about thirty, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, again, though, it's it's the first to the window. Like yeah. the money should be there. Oh yeah, I mean, and Malassia that is looking like a smart buy, especially for what the twelve million quid we've laid down. Yeah, I thought he had a fantastic game, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, even against Brighton, I know obviously the game was up at half time when he came on, but he, he was showing that fight, that tenacity, or that hunger. Just something I think Luke Shaw's lost. But yeah, I mean, let's move on to Anthony now. This is a weird one for me. I know we need quality in them forward areas. But it just seems so strange. I don't know where Anthony fits in. I don't know if where Anthony fits into this team. Does he start? Is your new front three going to be Anthony on the right? Um, Sancho on the left again? Rashford through the middle? So, my first... Th- my, my thoughts on it after Monday was... Okay, obviously there are problems with this team that are going to be need you know need to be addressed. For example, you've got to get Casemiro in for Scott McTominay. You, oh, you've 100%. Got, that, that picks itself. That picks itself. You've got to account for Varane probably getting injured pretty soon. That's going to Maguire. need sorting. You've got to account for having Cristiano Ronaldo on the bench. That is probably going to have to be rectified. I just don't know if you can keep a player like him on the bench all year. I mean, maybe that's a different debate I, for a different I, day. I don't think he... And that's we can have that debate just for a second here. Mm. We'll maybe going to it for a Southampton game more. I do think, you know, against your cities, I, I, this won't, Ronaldo won't like this because in the bigger games, you know, where we will probably we won't dominate the ball. We had twenty nine percent possession the other night. We get hit on the break. Mm. Marcus Rashford through the middle is a perfect striker. That's why I think he plays so well for England sometimes as well because. England don't always have the you know, sorry in you know the bigger matches actually Germany is mm. uh, you know you, Raheem Sterling Rashford having that pace does help and that's just not Ronaldo but you know tomorrow I'll get Southampton yeah. Ronaldo would be a better choice to play up front than Rashford yeah for for example uh, we'll talk more about that in a sec but yeah I just feel in the bigger games Ronaldo will be on the bench yeah and, and that's my thought so going off that then and talking about Anthony looking at that team against Liverpool. If that is the team we're going to go for for some of that sort of get like those sorts of games, it's that Alanga spot that is probably where Anthony comes in, and that's the obvious but, one. But but yeah, he's not a say, left winger. When you sort of yeah. start bringing in like Cristiano Ronaldo, well, hmm, who gets dropped now? It's like uh, that's what I'm playing basically. On Monday, it was very yeah. evident to me that that you know you could upgrade one of those forward positions. Oh. But is that always going to be the case as the team yeah, changes but... over the year? That's what. I, but the, like my problem is, if Martial was fully fit for that Liverpool game, yeah. it'd have been Rashford on the left. My, you know, what we play in the second half, basically. Mm. Um, and does Anthony break into that team? Uh, the thing is, we do need quality. We do need numbers up there, because I mean, Martial's injured again. We're light up there again. We do need a lot of quality in them forward areas. I think, I, I think we need two, three players. But when you're splashing that much cash, it's hard to leave someone out. You can't put a, an £80 million player on the bench... It's that conundrum, isn't it? Well, That's why I'm thinking, you know, maybe... I, I, 
I haven't watched too much of Antinger. And it shouldn't be about money. I sound like a glazer here. Like, oh, well, we're paying 80 million for a guy to go on the bench. Maybe Cody Gakpo, 30 million, because then you can buy another forward. Mm. Maybe that would be a smarter option. But if Ten Hag wants him, obviously I'm excited to see him. Can't wait to see him. He looks a skillful Brazilian. I mean, we're going to be... We're going to be La Manchester United soon. We're going to have the actual good Brazilians. We don't have many good Brazilians. Our Brazilians have always been really shit ones, like Kalibersen. Hey. Like our best two Brazilians would be fucking Anderson and Rafael da Silva. Hey. I love Rafael. Fred plays well for Brazil. He doesn't yeah. play good for us all the time, but he plays well for Brazil. No, That's all that counts. It's crazy. Like, we never get the skill. You know, we don't get Ronaldinho's. We don't get you know, the, the skillful, actual you know, like Brazilian Brazilians. We get like. English Brazilians, you know, like just hard men. Yeah, we, we never get the skillful ones. Anthony is that, but yeah, it's I, as much as I want numbers up there, it, we need more than just one. So I feel t- getting Cody Gakpo maybe would have been the better option to bring in another one because I just don't know if the money will be available after Anthony. It's it's a hard one, but I'm excited for him. Yeah, I agree. It's always an exciting signing, a Brazilian, an attacker. But yeah, as you say, I mean, if you if you imagine we play three attackers, Sancho and Anthony for their price tags then have to start. So everybody else is fighting for that one other spot. And that's when it becomes exactly. a question. But like my front three, even if Anthony comes in, my starting front three, for example, against Arsenal next week, if Martial is fit, would uh, it's, it'd still be Ronaldo, Rashford, Sancho. Mm. Um, like for for Leicester, let's not do Arsenal because that's cheap. But I don't know how we'd play there. But for Leicester next Thursday, Ronaldo, Sancho, Rashford would be my front three going forward. Yeah, I I could get behind that. I think you have to get Ronaldo back in somehow. Whether I mean I mean I say I say somehow, Martial being injured is probably your excuse, and it's actually probably yeah. saved Ten Hag from having to make a massive decision tomorrow for the Southampton game. He, he, he might still, he might go with the same front he three play hit against Liverpool. He could do, to be fair. Be interesting. Yeah, and that, that's what we'll talk about in a second, but yeah, let's just round up, of course. Dubravka coming along long to challenge De Gea. I mean, I, I've always liked Dubravka, to be fair. He's frustrated. I remember his debut against uh, for Newcastle was against us in a 1-0 wing at uh, St. James's Park. And like my best mate John is a, a magpie, uh, he loves the mags and oh, the laughs he would get, he would give him that day. But yeah, it'd be cool for him to probably play in the Europa League matches. He can push De Gea. He's a decent goalkeeper. Mm. Uh, yeah, but would you want to see any more business done? <sighs> Other than Anthony and Dubravka? I mean. It- it's so difficult because I've spent this whole week trying to not let my emotions get the better of me. We're coming off the back of one of the best United performances in probably the last year or so. So right now, my immediate thought is, now nah, come on, bring on the season. Get Anthony in, get our backup keeper. Realistically, packing out the squad with a few more players probably isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, but yeah, we are, we are running out of time. So I don't know. It's... I really don't know. I am fed up of signing players for the sake of it, but maybe we do just need to roll with it now and see what happens. But but yeah, I, I mean, as I said, packing out the squad when you got a Europa League season coming up isn't a bad thing. Like players like Christian Pulisic and stuff like that that are linked. Like you know, if they wanted to come in on a cheap, I wouldn't say no. But I don't think there's any massive deals that I'd expect to come through now. I think Casemiro is a big one. 
Anthony's been the one we've been chasing down. I think De Jong's done. I think that's where it could be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I still feel, yeah, maybe another forward. I, I'd, I'd happily, my, like, now we've got that CGM, it's amazing. I've been so bloody long wanting a CGM, a number six, an actual number six. Mm. We finally got one. We got one of the world's best. I, I don't know how I feel about if he's going to do well or not. It, it, with United fans, we've been burned before, but I still feel we need a right back. Diego Dello, I just, I like him, but he's not a starting right back for Manchester United. No, we need fair. a better right back. No, that is fair. I thought he had a good game against Liverpool. I thought, but, yeah. but I think to be fair, I actually thought everyone, everyone did. did. And yeah, I can't I mean, remember the last time I've thought that. Yeah, I mean the reaction he got was. If he didn't get that, I would be worried. You know, you had to have a reaction, like Jurgen Klopp said. To be to be fair to him, he said a lot of shit after the game, but before the game, he went, "I prefer to play Man United after a four 0 win, uh, after they won four 0 rather than after they lost four 0 because you need a reaction like that." Oh, absolutely. I tell you what, though, do you know what I love? That story that Ten Hag did that running punishment that came out. After I was the about Liverpool to bring game. up, yeah. Oh, I was about to bring that because up because I was thinking. I like, like how that wasn't leaked before. Yeah. The Liverpool game as well. You're just just a bit up, like you because know, it could have been seen as, "Oh, look what I'm doing," sort of thing. It will wait till after the Liverpool game for that to come out. But it's, it's one of those. It didn't fit the media's narrative until after that win, and then they were like, "Oh, yeah. he actually might be quite good." Um, but the, but no, I love that because I thought when I heard about that punishment, I thought these players are stroppy bastards. Oh, they yeah. could very easily not respond to that the way he's expecting them to, and that could make uh, them. And worse. apparently, and apparently, they were actually a bit pissed off when he first told him that. Yeah. Uh, the news article when they, they they did not respond well when he first told them. I mean, I guess you know it could have been one of those things where they're like, oh, you're like we pro- you you probably wouldn't react well to being told you're running 13 kilometers. I remember going for a walk that morning, uh, and it was about 32 degrees in, uh, around Carrington. Mm. It was fucking warm. We we were walking down the River Mersey, and it was bloody warm. Mm. Um, so I can't imagine we're running 32 it's 13 kilometers in that. Um, but you're know, like when the media say, oh, they were upset. You probably would be upset, to be honest, being told you go run that far. But then apparently, when he said, "I'm doing it too because I, I'm I'm part of his team," I got it wrong too. They, they were re- apparently like, "Wow, yeah, I like that." It's great management. And look, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I was critical of Ten Hag after the last couple of podcasts we've done, and I, I think I felt like a lot of people probably didn't want to be. They wanted to blame anyone other than him. I thought he got things wrong in those first two games, but I think he's had a great sort of week in terms of. I think he got Liverpool spot on. I thought telling De Gea, he, he's obviously pulled De Gea aside and told him, you never pass that ball short again. And finally, De Gea's got the message. I mean, every single ball was getting sent long. It was awesome. And honestly, I, I don't even mind that as a, you know, it it can break down a few times, but if we're pressing, exactly. pressing correctly, exactly. you win the ball but back. That's what we've said. We'd so much rather lose the ball up there than in our own third. I'd, I'd like someone to tell Bruno Fernandes that as well because he oh, didn't get the message. I lost it with him. That, that, yeah, first it was in the first half, wasn't yeah. it? And I was gutted because everyone knows I love Bruno, and I thought that was a, a, another really that was a good game from Bruno. Some of his passes, he looked on the ball again, oh, but there's always a yeah. moment or two with him. It's just all. Let's oh. before we wrap up on the Southampton uh, wrap up with the Southampton preview. Let's just talk about the shit out of Bruno Fernandes. <laughs> Have you seen that compilation of Liverpool uh, fans? They were crying. Like a, 
Oh, they were so. I mean, I look obviously. I, I've lived in Liverpool. I do like scouters, uh, some of them anyway. But if you're ever told you, uh, but you know, the the madder they are, the higher pitch they get. Oh, it's hilarious! Like, fucking, it's like a dog's. You're like a dog whistle. The, That's how the the video of Carragher and Neville on that Monday night football when they're both slowly getting angrier and angrier and oh, getting yeah. higher pitch. That's amazing. But yeah, got the, they were fucking fuming with him after we held the ball, and it's. Just, yeah, so what? So can I ask this, right? And I, I was with a mate in the pub last night who was a Liverpool fan. Um, okay, this is my question. So you know like when a player runs off and does a knee slide to celebrate and everyone goes yeah. over and they hug him and they cheer, that probably takes about a minute to a minute and a half. Oh, it, probably sometimes more, yeah. And that's not time-wasting. So, no. so it was our kickoff. Bruno held the ball. He probably would have held it for about, what, 20 seconds? It was, it would have, we would have kicked off about a minute faster than if Liverpool had celebrated the goal. Like football, the game doesn't have to immediately start straight after the no. ball crosses the line. I don't know. I, 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 didn't I mean, even it... if they to put it on the spot, someone has to be there to take the kick off. Exactly. So, I mean, obviously it was cheeky, but I mean, people saying it should have been a red card. What? what? I don't know he didn't where push anyone. The only person who may have been booked there was Salah because he was trying to like push him, grab the exactly. ball. Bruno's just walking back to the centre circle. It's exactly. Oh, but I think he is a beautiful man, but... though. Oh, it, it was great. It was just a. Re... It was something I did not expect whatsoever going in to watch that game. I didn't expect anything. I was fearing the worst. It's come out with that. Oh, it, it felt brilliant. Well, that's the thing. I was like, if you remember when we did that podcast where we reacted to the fixtures. I was positive then because I thought, yeah, nice and early. We could catch him by surprise. And I've slowly got less positive. And by like after the Brentford game, I was like, yeah, Liverpool are going to smash us. And pretty much everyone I've spoke to was like, no, nah, I think United could do something. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, no chance. No chance. So, yeah, I was shocked. I mean, that the celebrations for that Sancho goal, it was like a last minute winner or something. Because I think everybody was so caught off guard by the fact that we'd taken the lead. It was mental. I mean, I, I could not celebrate that Rashford goal because I, I just thought, I honestly thought it was offside. I did. I thought immediately, I was like, yeah, flag's coming. Yeah. And, and I, I just thought, I, I don't think my flag actually came though. I think it just went to VAR. Yeah, no, no, they, they actually, they, they didn't put the flag up, but then like yeah. a load of Liverpool fans now, they're saying, like, oh, if it was us, it would have been offside. And? I mean, it wouldn't. I don't care. The, com- the fucking lines, I mean... It's, 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 I love that you're on, you're, you're, you're on Twitter. You're every time a Liverpool fan just tweets. It could be you know, we could be talking about fucking Arsenal, and the Liverpool fans will make it about themselves. I know, Walter, it's hilarious. And, and, and then there's that meme from like Breaking Bad. You know, it's Walter White going, "This whole thing, <laughs> it's about me." Oh, everything has oh. to be about them, bless them. Well, to oh, be fair, everything is... Monday night was all about them and how bad they are. So. Oh, sorry. I know I said one last thing on that, but one last thing. Promise on the Liverpool game. Jose Enrique. <laughs> that that fucking that ten page essay he put about Ronaldo snubbing Carragher. Jesus Christ. Leave it. Leave it. I I'll, I will always want to know the answer to this question. And I've tweeted him before. He doesn't reply to me, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I need to get a blue tick. Um, if someone could sort that. But oh, look, I've tweeted in this a few times. I've said I, I just think it's hilarious that Liverpool finally got good the second he left, really. Yeah. I mean... I mean, honestly, it's just... He, he acts like an eight-year-old, doesn't he? Like, 
you're like a you're the stereotypical football Twitter weirdos. It is really. That's like one of them. It is a bit. It's odd. so fucking weird. You're like when Eric. You're when the, that false report from Jamie Jackson about Ericsson re, uh, rejecting us. Uh, yeah, he fucking yeah, comes out. With, yeah, about it. yeah. But like that thing about Carragher, like Ronaldo, you just shut up, mate. He, he was saying a lot to his his fucking friends. I know, but also it, it was hilarious from Ronaldo. Oh, brilliant! Oh, Ronaldo, he knows what he's doing. He's a smart guy. That was class. Give it to go. But yeah, I mean, can you really blame him? Like. Carragher sits there every week and says United would be so much better without Ronaldo. He's only oh, going to hug him. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, God. I, we actually do get to talk about this because I thought the interview that Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher did with Eric Ten Hag was disgusting. I haven't watched I have it never, because I couldn't no, believe they did yeah. it. I've never seen, after two matches, a manager basically getting questioned about every little thing he's done. Like... I've never seen... T- it was like good good cop, bad cop. Mm. And I've never seen an interview... It was They were asking the worst questions ever as well. The worst questions. It wasn't even any... You know, you didn't get anything out of the interview. The thing was, though... It like, was like... they were. It was like they wanted to... Like, from the I saw the trailer bit, and it was almost like they wanted to ask stuff that was going to trip him up. That's what journalists yeah. do. Not ex-players. Not Gary Neville, who is a Manchester but, United supporter. But the thing is... Yeah, but the thing was, it wasn't even the smart questions. You know, if you got a one-on-one interview so early on with Eric Ten Hag and things weren't going well, you'd ask in- intellectual questions. Mm. T- ask about the training methods. Ask about philosophy. You'll get actual answers for the fans to learn more about him. Mm. But no, they were asking... Qu- they knew that he couldn't answer about the Glazers. They, they know he can't. Like, it's not possible. He can't go, oh, yeah, they're dicks. But they, they employ him. If he says that, they can sack him. Yeah. Um... But the one question that shocked me the most, I have never seen a pundit ever go to a manager, to his face, you should sell a player. And that is exactly what Jamie Carragher did regarding Ronaldo. Mm. It's he went, I think you should I think you should sell Ronaldo. Like you can't say that to a manager. No, it's it's just it's just weird behaviour. I, I just Yeah, it, it does seem really odd. And look, I, I, I like Gary Neville as a pundit. I know a lot of people are a bit thingy about him, but I think everyone has a point who is saying like this would have never happened if it was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. There's no way I, to sat there and it, drilled it, him like that. No, but yeah, it wouldn't happen to any other manager. It won't happen to Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. It won't happen to Thomas Tuchel, who just lost 3 0 to Leeds. It won't happen to any of them. I know they've got bank, you know, credit in the bank. Tuchel's got the Champions League with Chelsea. Klopp's done amazing. But, like, but even Gerrard, you know, are. It won't even happen to Graham Potter or something like that. It well, just seems to happen because it's Manchester United. When Frank Lampard was rubbish, they waited about six months after he'd been sacked, then got him on the overlap and had a little laugh about it. Yeah. yeah it's no, but that's. But yeah. Anyway, on to tomorrow's match against Southampton away at St Mary's. We always seem to play Southampton in August, don't we? Hey, guess what? This is the first time on the podcast as well. I'm really excited. We're actually, I, I am. I'm actually looking forward to. City Manchester United play football and it's been a very long yeah. time and you know what I think we'll play fucking good football as Ten Hag liked to oh. as Ten Hag saying on Sky Sports fucking good football oh definitely it's, it's, it's certain I now I just love I, that's another thing I love uh, when pundits or let your presenter goes I apologise for the language there it's half ten at night. It's past the watershed. <laughs> he should be able to swear because of that clip did you see the one that started circling again about Lacazette 
Oh yeah, we good shit, <laughs> clean shit. <laughs> he, he tried to say shit. <laughs> they thought he said shit. I thought that's a yeah. great clip. Uh. But yeah, like in other countries, you're allowed to swear on TV. It's brilliant. If you if you're in on uh, Norwegian Danish TV, you can say what the fuck you want. I know. I don't get. I mean, have you have you watched Arsenal or nothing? Oh no, I I don't watch shit like that. Unfortunately, well, every other word that Arteta oh, says yeah. starts with an F. Oh, exactly. That's that's why people actually speak. That's what I just don't get about foot, football. Everyone actually just speaks like that, don't they? It's stupid. Yeah. But yeah, on the Southampton, people really do think Hasegu might be the first to go. Uh, they got smashed by Tottenham on the first day of the season. Mm. Came back from 2-0 down to Leeds and then obviously came back to win against Leicester. They haven't got the best team this year. They've got a very, I'd say, a poor team. Your bottom, your bottom 15 sort of team. Yeah, you know, they, they're 15 and below for me this season. Uh, Chairs up front. He scored twice last week, two times in the Carabao against Plymouth, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so he's coming in with a bit of form, but I, I don't rate Chairs. But every time we seem to play Southampton in August at St Mary's, it's never at Old Trafford. Mm. It ends one all. Always ends one all. Hey, you can say what you want about Che Adams though, but he hasn't met the butcher yet. <laughs> Nobody plays but like no. that against the butcher, unless you're Ben. So. So, in all seriousness, let's talk team news first. Uh, would you keep it the same as it were on Monday, or would you bring some players in, changes? Um, I mean, I think there are two spots where there is a, obviously like a, a sort of debate. The first would one, you bring Casemiro in? That's the first one. Two training sessions. Honestly, because we have that little Leicester game sandwiched in before the Arsenal one... I might leave it, maybe, and bring him on late against Southampton, get him, get him a few minutes, and then he can start. Because yeah. Leicester are out of form. He could start the Leicester game and then be ready to go for the Arsenal one. I also yeah. wouldn't blame him one bit for bringing Casemiro in. But Oh, no. It, it's not a question of match fitness or anything. He's, he's had full pre-season with Madrid. to learn the tactics to it, get clued and up also, what to do, yeah. Just the Premier League, you you've had two training sessions. He probably didn't really know much, if anything at all, about Southampton. You know, yeah. He could. You know, I'm just saying, you're in the Premier League. There is that chance. You know, your first game, you can get caught out. I mean, we saw it with Martinez. Mm. Uh, we saw it with Varane a few times last year. You can just get caught out sometimes with these teams. You know, especially in the middle of a park. Just you know that speed of the game. Sometimes in Spain, it is a bit slow because of the heat. You can't really work about intensity. So. I, if it had been a full week training since Monday, I'd say yes. But since it's only been what yesterday, maybe or the day before, yeah, I- I'd consider him bench, then bring him on. That's that's oh. what I'd do. I think as long as he's ready for that Arsenal game, however you want to manage the Southampton and the Leicester one, fine. But I would, I think it makes more sense get him twenty minutes maybe tomorrow, full game, or maybe even like. Play seventy minutes, then bring him off. If we've, if you know, we've done well and the game's not hanging in, you know, on a thread, and then he plays his first ninety against Arsenal. That, that's what I do. And then the other position is that forward line. Like, you know, obviously, I think everybody did well, including Alanga, but he's not the guy going forward. So it's just a question of, do you get him out of the team now, and do you bring in Ronaldo then because Martial's not fit? Like, that, I think that's my big one. I, I'd probably try and get Ronaldo in, I think. For a game like that, I mean, I think obviously I was saying earlier, against teams like Southampton, where you're not playing on the brick, where you'll have a lot of the ball, where you'll have more chances, 
it's better to have the greatest goal scorer of all time there. Agreed. Whether he, you know, the way we play yeah, against Brentford, it, it wasn't working, you know, but now we've sort of found that rhythm, we've got that good performance. This, it can't be a one-off. It's so vital. We build. It, you know, we could not even draw tomorrow. To have four from twelve, that's not that's unthinkable. No, no, it has to be a win. This has to be the start of some momentum yeah. building now. That's just not especially even going into the Arsenal game. Going into the Arsenal game, if we can win Liverpool, Southampton, Leicester, get up to nine points oh. out of fifteen. That that Arsenal game is massive. I, I'm not sure if we'll like talk about. Are we going to do a podcast next week? Chat about the Arsenal um, game or wait till after. So I think what we'll do, we won't do less. We won't do after Leicester. Obviously, we're going to do before Leicester. So after Southampton, yeah, okay. Before we'll, we'll do Leicester Arsenal. Arsenal preview. Okay, yeah. so, so I won't go into it too much now, but just just quickly, I think the Arsenal game is massive for two reasons. It's big for our momentum, but we know how likely Arsenal are to crumble. That would knock their confidence massively if we smashed them out of the park. I think it's such a big game for both teams. Somebody needs to get them to lose quickly because the second oh, yeah. they it's lose their, it, one... It's their first big test. The second they their lose first one game, test. the cracks start getting bigger. Yeah, it is their first big test. Mm. Um, but yeah, so um, Southampton are great. Weak at the back. I don't think we've just got... Overall, we've just got a very poor team now. It's very young. Has, they've gone very different in their transfer approach, and yeah, I don't think this should this should be a problem. But we always do seem to score against Southampton. It's just one of those nowadays. Like, there's no easy <coughs> game in the Premier League, unfortunately. Of course, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's the sort of game. If we'd lost to Liverpool, I'd be saying oh, you don't want an away trip to St Mary's now. But because we've got that confidence, and because, as you said, they're not a very good squad, if we just go there play our game we should beat him I mean if Casemiro just needs one like if he's got to start one thing do not you might like to do a few tactical fouls make sure they're at the halfway line anything 30 yards and closer James Ward-Prowse will be licking his lips although that is probably the one good thing David De Gea can still do you just know I'll, I'll say it right now he might do a dodgy pass a few times in the game. He will pull off one banger of a save against James Ward-Prowse, guaranteed. A nice little top corner, tip it over the bar. Yeah, that is his fault. He has scored a few. He has scored a few free kicks against because I do remember one oh, at Old Trafford, one at St Mary's. Obviously, when we won three-two. But yeah, it's just that's my only da- the only danger I actually think Southampton have is James Ward-Prowse corners. Free kicks and of course penalties. Yeah, that's very true. And I mean, if we're looking for another midfielder, there'd be worse. Pl- there could be worse players to be looking at. Yeah, he'd be up there, wouldn't he? He's a good little player. He's done it in the Premier League for a long time. Yeah, uh, but yeah, just my only concern would be you know giving him time and space, or you're giving him a few free kicks and stuff like that. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. But yeah. Oh, other than that, I'm confident we'll be at six points. You're fifty percent win rate. Yes, we are staying up. So we are staying up. See, that's what I mean. Man United fans, we we have we get on a bit of banter sometimes. I think sometimes we take ourselves a bit too seriously. Yeah. I don't love that going off. You're Old Trafford, you know. It's a bit of a laugh. Our away fans, they they know how to do shit like this. So I think you know, if we're tuning up tomorrow. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're hearing a bit of we are staying I up. was gutted last season, right? One of the best chants that we started doing was 
will never score from a corner. Every time we got a corner, but it lasted about a game because then we scored from a corner the next game, didn't we? Do you remember? I can't remember when it was. Go. But so we, we the first time we scored from a corner, it was against Leeds. Yeah, Maguire. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I remember like it was like the game before that at Old Trafford, and, and a few people started saying, "We'll never score from a corner," and then yeah, of course we had to ruin it and score from a corner. How dare we score goals? How dare but, we? You know, score. That's what I mean. I, that's what I like about you know, lower league football, or just you know a few other teams where. Our away fans do it. Our away fans are brilliant at shit like that. But at Old Trafford, we do just take it a bit too serious at times. Yeah, I'd have loved a bit of few, you know, or you know, you know, a bit of we are staying off at Old Trafford week uh, on Monday. That would be hilarious. Well, I can't surely, surely somebody should, should have started a sacked in the morning chant for Klopp. How oh, many yeah. times have we heard that? Oh uh, yeah, that. from the away fans. Yeah, I mean, Brentford fans were all doing it. Exactly. We should have had Jurgen Klopp on the ropes. He deserves it. Yeah, seventh season syndrome happening again for Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> you love to see it. I mean, it's a very weird. That's a long, weird number to have for like two consecutive jobs where it goes wrong, and in the third one so far, right. you know, like Jose Mourinho has like a nice three-year syndrome. Don't you? Know, third season for Jose Mourinho goes tits up. Yeah, but Jurgen Klopp's got a seven-year one. Oh well. I mean, at least it at least it means that like wherever he goes, we'll always know it's going to go wrong eventually. <laughs> eventually, uh. Uh, but then again, one prem, one what one FA Cup, one he's won one he's of won everything. One of everything yeah, yeah. I mean, except the Europa League. Oh uh, yeah, he lost in that final. Couldn't hack that, could he? But, no, he, I mean, he couldn't. but yeah, you know, not saying that. I, I I mean, I wish we had won Premier League in the last ten years, but yeah. Oh wait, we do. <laughs> hey, just you wait, oh. just you wait. So Jim Ratcliffe's going to come in and we'll be winning it every year. Yeah, let's buy it easier. <laughs> but no, there we go. That has been another Bring On United podcast with me, Connor, and Zach, of course. Let's hope we're as happy as this next week when we preview, when we look back at the weekend, talk about the upcoming transfer deadline day, and look forward to not one but two whole matches next week. Leicester and Arsenal, bring it on.